So this is about show business. Yeah, all about show business. <laughs> about how it's kind of like high school. Is it like high school? Well, that's the, that was the that was the loosest topic, but really what I think what they want us to talk about is how screwed up is the industry? Well, I noticed there kind of examples were why do the good TV shows get canceled? Why do the great books get turned into lousy movies? Why do et cetera, et cetera? But how, but how do lousy books get turned into great movies? That true. What book was true. that? There must have been one somewhere. <laughs> There's a certain amount of whenever you have like um, maybe you have like hundreds of people working on the same thing. There's a certain amount of luck that's necessary for it to turn out well. Yes. But maybe we should introduce ourselves here. Are we starting? Let's start. We might as well. You, I'm John Vornholt. See, that's my proof. Um, I don't know. I worked in Hollywood for 17 years. I was a novelist for 25 years. I am now in the theater. I started a theater this year, an Apcot theater on the east side, and ran it for eight months and then gave it to somebody else to run because it was such a headache. So, um, and I, I have a play of mine, and I'm directing that will be at the Comedy Playhouse in December. It's called Cactus Christmas. And this is a play that's actually run before around town. It's a Christmas family show. So lately I'm writing lots of theater and directing plays and stuff. I'm Marty Catola. I'm a local filmmaker, producer, director. I've made uh, three micro-budget films here in Tucson and I'm currently crowdsourcing for the next one. i got some cards I'll pass off for that. And uh, I guess my main thing was I was a host on public access here in Tucson for 25 years before Access Tucson closed down last year. I'm Bruce Wiley. Besides just being the generally vivacious character that I usually am, I'm a former professional actor. I've worked in major motion pictures. I have four films to my credit, two behind the scenes, two in front of the lens. Um, started in the late 70s with a small uh, western that was called Tom Horn, starring Steve McQueen. Um, I worked on um, a TV movie called Jericho Fever, which is a Perry King vehicle. It was all about hantavirus. I was also a grip on a um, big budget uh, live TV remote to Rome, Italy from Tombstone, Arizona, reenacting the gunfight at the OK Corral. And my last gig was as a location assistant for the second Transformers movie. One of the last movies that was shot here before the uh, tax incentive went away. Right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you remember the scene where they suddenly go from the Smithsonian Institution suddenly into the Sonora Desert, that's the scene I worked on. <coughs> yeah, a little stretch of the imagination there, but what can I tell you? The cool thing is that I, got, I had a chance to have lunch with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> Was he saying that day? <laughs> well, considering he's like sitting up, he's, yeah, this is after he'd broken his hand, hopped up on pain medication, and did a splint like this, wearing a Dune t shirt. <laughs> and I smiled, nodded, leaned over to my friend, and said, Harry, don't look now, we're having lunch with Shrek LaBeouf. But anyway, 
So that's me. Aha. And who are all you now? <laughs> well, we still, you still outnumber us, so that's good. Um, so, so why do all the good TV shows get canceled? Well, you mean the ones that they typically put on Fox? The ones they put on Fox. Well, listen, you, you remember the BBC TV series Almost Human? Yes. Yeah. Brilliantly acted, well scripted, yes. and it got canceled in one season. Yeah. Let's not talk about Firefly, shall we? <laughs> They canceled Star Trek. Is that one a British transplant as well? Uh, Almost Human was a British show. It was a British transplant, yes. And it was actually rather successful in Britain. It it ran many years in Britain. I I don't know. Probably a bit too cerebral for for the American market, especially on the Fox Network. I think that's a lot of it, is that just the stuff, especially like people like us find really good. It is. It's just too smart, too cerebral for normal people to, to handle. And, you know, they have to think too much, I guess, to watch it, and, and they don't like that. Thinking's hard. You know, there are other reasons why shows get canceled, too. Bad usually, bad time slots. Yeah. No promotion. Uh, now, no I will argue with you on that, John. With the event of the DVR, you really do not have the bad time slot anymore because that's been negated. Because you can always record it later and watch it later. I mean, I still have episodes of Constantine sitting on my DVR from like last year. Oh, wow. Also, well, that's the I, But that may also be a problem why things might go away is because everybody's waiting to binge watch it on Netflix, so nobody's watching it on real TV. So they don't know if it's going to be popular or not when it hits Netflix. And they're hoping that Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime will pick it up. Well, you get gun-shy to get invested in a show if you think it's not going to make it. So you kind of want to at least see that it's going to have momentum well, before you even start watching it. As an example, one of my guilty pleasures is the TV series Gotham. Okay. I've always been a big Batman fan to begin with. Um, and that is a series that you wonder why it's really taken over as well as it has I mean it's going into its third season Um, you've got not very much no real major names really Uh, I mean you have well Michael Chiklis in this season that's really about the biggest name you've got Donald Logue always has a certain amount of panache because he's an excellent actor and plays a larger-than-life character very fluidly. Um, but other than that, really, no, there's no really stellar person, except maybe Sean Perkins. But you don't have... There's no name records, there's no draw to that series except for the characters. And because it is a character-driven show, it's successful. People become invested in the character. And that's really the answer, is if you want people to watch your TV series, they have to care about the character. Yeah. Period. The, 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 the real thing is to hook them quickly. I was going to say, two TV shows, uh, those dramas, well, Gotham is an example, but they're expensive. Very. They're, they're very expensive to do, and if they don't get... If they aren't big hit, yeah, not like a reality show that's so cheap to do, they can keep oh, okay. it keep it around forever and ever because unfortunately costs, it costs nothing, and so all these hour long uh, fantasy type shows are really expensive. So 
There's not all of them going to make it. Was it? I think it was Steven Spielberg who kind of approached this uh, not too long ago in an article he wrote somewhere about how the Hollywood's paradigm doesn't really work anymore. And he was talking about mainly with feature, big budget feature films, that they can't all make money. I mean, they, yeah. you know, and and in fact, a, a great deal of them have to lose money because there's just not enough of an audience to go around. And if word of mouth starts getting bad nowadays, it it, it travels oh, yeah. with the speed of light, you know. It, it just is no way to save any movie that's getting bad word of mouth. Well, and that's why they're probably going for remakes and sequels. Well, the reason they're going for re- remakes is because there's no such thing as a, as a new idea in Hollywood. Well, they already have stuff. So there are lots of new ideas money. in Hollywood. There's no producer that's willing to spend money on those new ideas because it's not a sure thing. Every yeah. producer wants a sure thing because they want to make money. No, it's actually the same reason why they'll pay... Well, I'm gonna, I was going to say Tom Cruise, but he's not a good example anymore. He's kind of... His star's a bit down. But... And whoever, Tom whatever, Hanks. Tom Hanks. I, I, I believe my my firm belief is in Hollywood. They expect they're going to make a bad movie. They don't expect it's going to be a good movie. They all like it to be a good movie, but they, they all wander around set saying what a great movie. It's they going will, to be. but nobody knows for sure until it's all wrapped up and and they show it to people. And so that's why they'll pay Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, something like somebody like twenty twenty five million dollars. And that's why they'll do a remake of something something because they assume we'll get a couple good weeks out of this, yeah. a couple good weekends out of this before everybody finds out what a stinker it is. So, so their bet is, I've always felt that, their bet is this is going to be a real turkey. How do we get our money out of it? What's the best we can do if it's awful? So they, they plan for that, if that makes sense. That, well, yeah. <laughs> I will, you know, there's also the counterpoint on that is... You look at the movies that are done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe these days. No one really expected Doctor Strange to take off like it did. Or Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians was the one that just Guardians that was, was the dark, Yes, that was the dark horse. And then right you got Deadpool with a rated R rating and look what it made. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually fresh, although the story was very basic. It yeah. was. It was a very, very basic, basic story, story, but it was just fun. It was, it was yeah, fun it was, to watch. It was such a fresh, different look yeah. on a superhero. You and know? now they're doing uh, the Wolverine as a rated R. Yes. The new uh, Wolverine. Was Iron Man expected to do anything when it came out? Because it's the one that really... No, Iron Man was on this. They really didn't expect Iron Man to do that much. They kind of figured, okay, well, this might be an interesting movie. And, of course, you know, and the, 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 the uh, idea that, of, Tony, of uh, Robert Downey Jr., Playing a narcissistic, drug-addled drunk. Yeah. That's kind of natural for him, you know. Typecasting. Typecasting. But that was the first time they've done kind of an anti-hero, superhero movie, where he was their reverend, you know. And now it is Now it's the norm. It's the norm for for that. So much so that I feel that they're taking it almost to the furthest extreme. Well, Deadpool's are well, not so much Deadpool. Deadpool is at least funny. It's Jessica yeah. Jones. Oh, yeah. That I didn't like. Because I thought that she was too whiny. Too whiny, <laughs> too angsty. Yeah. And, was just, yeah, and there we was the story, the story arc was anymore. too long. And I was just like, so you want to ask why shows you don't like do well? Is that what you want? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. That's the opposite of why do shows I like 
always get canceled. But probably the same reason. Probably the same reason. Yeah, you don't get the 1834. <laughs> also, certain movies, I wanted to see Iron Man because I was a fan of the comic books. I know a lot of people wanted to see Deadpool. Good, bad, and different. They were going to that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Because it was a Deadpool movie. And, uh, well, they did a, the and they media were campaign for Deadpool, though. Yeah. It was really cool, too. I mean, it was all over the internet for weeks. I remember, I remember when I, I, wrote a, I wrote a Spider-Man novel called uh, Valley of the Lizard with the, the lizard and chupacabras. Mm-hmm. He, he organized all the chupacabras to... You know, the lizard's always trying to take over the world for the reptiles. Sure. So I thought chupacabras would be good. But I remember after I finished that, and they said, well, we got another superhero nobody wants to do. I go, who's that? And they go, Iron Man. You want to do an Iron Man novel? Well, what's it pay? It pays about half of what the start, you know, the uh, Spider-Man novels pay. And I said, well, no thanks. <laughs> so, so I could have written an Iron Man novel, but I didn't write one. But this guy, nobody knew at the time it was going to become a, a big franchise because it was kind of an old-fashioned... Well, none of them were ever really a franchise except for Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Everything else... Well, was it, it wasn't a comic book franchise, but Iron Man became a movie Right, but, uh, but as far it as was second adaptations... You know, no, no, even it was, no. the earlier Spider-Man adaptations weren't really good. I mean, the Tobey Maguire one was really good. Well, what happened, Marvel made a big decision that was crucial to all this. Is before the early, the original Spider-Man movies... They were just they operate they acted like just like any other uh, holder of intellectual property. Universal come to them and say, "I want to make a Spider-Man." Twentieth Century Fox. Anybody would come and they say, "Okay, the rights cost us and such. Sell you the rights. You go make a movie, but we don't have any control over it. We don't, you know, we we'll take the money when there's and more of yeah. it. But but they realized at some point that this is very risky." Because we, even though they're making big budget movies, we have no again we we don't have any any idea if they're going to be good or bad or, or really help our property. And so, a few years ago, they said we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to farm this out to other studios. We're going to make all of our own superhero movies. And they went up in quality. After Was that. Iron Man the first one that they kept? Yes, going? correct. Because Sony did Spider Man. Sony did Spider Man and X Men. And X Men. And those were kind both of the precursor before the yeah. formula. They, they weren't right. horrible, uh, they weren't bad movies. Yeah, they were okay. Oh, number two was really but, great with Doc Ock. That was, that oh yeah, was I thought that was yeah, actually one of the best of the, of the entire series. I've now even seen the reboots because they, it was just like, yeah, wait a minute, they, they're rebooting it. Tommy oh, right. McGuire is still going through puberty. Why are they? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like, why are they rebooting it? I already? think that was to keep the rights. Was that right? That's what I always heard. Same reason they keep making Fantastic They have to keep making. I just keep thinking. Well, that's a good example of movies that got so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll lose the rights. Well, remember uh, Roger Corman actually uh, made I a Fantastic Four movie. That's a good one. I never even got a chance to see it. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I can't even see it. Can't. Where where you see it? It's on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, you see oh, YouTube clips yeah. of it. Oh, YouTube. Oh, wow. You can see any damn thing on YouTube. But you know, the reason that he made that is because he had opted for the film. And he had to have something on film before, you know, or else lose the ability to make the film. So, and that's also kind of plays into our topic is that, you know, I don't want you to have this, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> kind of a sophomoric attitude. Yeah. High school. Yeah, very, very, very high school <laughs> attitude. Um, but that's really how the industry works is that if you opt for a film, you have X amount of years to actually produce something 
yieldable. If you don't, you lose the ability to. Even if you're halfway through filming, oh wow, and you lose the rights, you either have to renegotiate the rights or scrap the project. That's not good, especially when you've got a lot of money invested and other <coughs> a lot of OPM involved, other people's money. Yeah, and then then you've got a problem. But, um, and you know, that's also the reason why the last Fantastic Four movie, well, sucked. Because they had to put something on film to keep the rights. That was like two movies. Yeah. Was that the one with the Silver Surfer? No, that was sucked too. That was sucked too. (laughs) Except for the CGI of the Silver Surfer. Well. And and, and now the Shadow of Galactus. Like the Silver Surfer one. You like the Silver Surfer one? But so I like the, the best one is the Corman one. The Corman one is still the best Fantastic Four one. Which one? It's, the it's the most, the it's it's the most accurate. The first one that never got released. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But you can find it on YouTube, <laughs> bootlegs or whatever. But Is that the one where the thing is just like a guy in a suit? Yeah, yeah. It looks like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not supposed to be. No. I thought it was interesting. It's funny, but... And really, in the... Uh, the actual first big budget Fantastic Four. You know, everyone decries it. I actually thought it was not a bad film right. at all. It was... I mean, the special effects were fine. I mean, Michael yeah. Chiklis as a thing was kind of like a given. Yeah. It was... Well, they all suffer from origin story. You know, that first movie. Yeah. They all do. So... The, and the one origin story or origin story. Well... I when they rebooted Spider-Man, I was like, skip the origin story, mm-hmm. just get to a story. Yeah, we all yeah. know. <laughs> no. Well, they they halfway did it in Justice League. They, they kind of did a little flashback of the of the alley shooting scene, but they kind of said, okay, everybody knows who Batman is. Yeah. I have a question for you, Marty. Okay. Since you make... Uh, we, we keep hearing that uh, Hollywood should be passe and dead so on and so forth because nowadays everybody can be a filmmaker and you you don't have to distribute uh, you know you don't have to have 900 uh, theaters lined up to get a movie out there you can put it on YouTube you can put it on I don't know lots of things is is the future really going that way or or not I mean we keep thinking it is yes and no because you can do that but you're out there in that wash with Thousands of other videos, and without any promotion behind you, how is anybody ever going to find you? That's, that's yeah. the problem. So I've been hearing a lot of promotion on the Stagecoach movie that just came out, like on Amazon Prime, things like that. Uh, that's like a direct to Amazon Prime. Yeah, they're making their own content, just like Netflix and other. Yeah, yeah. Netflix and Hulu are all making their own content. Yeah. Right now. I don't know if it, I don't know if they're just distributing it or if it's their movie, but I, you know, they did radio interviews the other day and made me interested so I looked it up and it's on Amazon so it's not going to screens <laughs> I was thinking more of the independent yeah. well I mean there yes if you're, <laughs> if you're waking up today and I got a movie to sell you have many more places to sell it yeah. to and, and that's a good thing and they're, they're not interested in the uh, indie person if they don't have a name actor in the movie or something to sell it like you were saying this first couple weekends and make some money off of it it's unfortunate, and hopefully it'll turn around. 
uh, I mean, about 10 years ago, I managed to get two of my movies on Netflix before they shut the door on, on indies and they just want mainstream Right, stuff. right, right. Um, yeah, they were a lot more open mm-hmm. in the beginning. It's a lot of places. Well, they're desperate. Are. When they first yeah. start, they want content. Yeah. And then when they get enough content, it's like, okay, we don't want your stuff anymore. We just keep the mainstream now. But there's always something new popping up. I guess we got to keep looking for the, the new venues and jump on those while they're still fresh. Well, as a, in the micro budget, I mean, see, as a, as a costume designer, it's, I, I deal with the, the filmmaker who's like, well, why do I need a costume designer? Like, my girlfriend can shop. And I'm like, well, your girlfriend doesn't know jack shit. It's called compromising in your movies. About character and how to actually, you know, so, yeah, people don't, having a good film (laughs) involves having good people work for you, which usually involves paying them. Yeah. So that can be difficult. Getting money is always a challenge. It's hard to find passionate people that will work just because they want to, to create something. Everybody wants a paycheck, and I understand I, that. Because, well, you know, but, we're yeah. fond of food. <laughs> exactly. Now, mind you, I think it's a lot easier to find actors yeah. who are willing to work for scale, or even less than scale, mm-hmm. especially if you're not a union shop. And just to do it because, hey, you know, this looks like a pretty interesting project. Why don't I, uh, I can really get behind this? Um, which, thankfully, gives you that draw to get people, you know, to actually see your work. Uh, but to get... Costume designers, lighters, gaffers, grips, cinematographers, camera people, and the plethora of people who are, you know, that now compromise that entire long trailer you have to sit through at the end of every movie, because you know there's maybe a cutscene somewhere or two in there, that they kind of now force you to watch that. I think that may be why Marvel actually started doing the no, sure cut things. Yeah. So, so you, so you can actually see how see many people. Because it keeps you from like jumping up and running out the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the number of people who have to work on any kind of project is legion. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of also ties into why do we always have like seven or eight different writers, directors, producers on a film? That's one of our questions. Uh, it was. Actually. <laughs> See, that's why I was kind of like generally yeah, segueing well. into that. That was good. That was good. I you do that. Gen- that. <laughs> Where are there any writers on every film? Well. That's pretty easy because one, you get anytime you get into a turf battle in making a movie, you're going to have people butting their heads and it's going to stretch the production out to the point where people have to move on to their next project. Because, well, they're fond of eating. Yeah. And, or, you know, you get into a creative differences battle with directors um, as an example look at the recent Ant-Man movie how many directors and producers did it go yeah, through yeah it went through a lot but and it actually came down to the like the last days even before um, the release date which they did not change even throughout that entire turf battle they you know the studios said we are releasing on this date you better have something to be able to put the theaters and they moved mountains and did it and actually came out with a pretty easy product yeah. um, now could it have been better probably sure but it was entertaining yeah um, 
Doctor Strange went through very much the same thing. A lot of creative issues involved, and it, they turned out a fairly decent little movie, uh, especially in something that's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, as he's getting knocked into the dark dimension, and we see all these weird planet escapes and such, I wanted to jump up and go, "Holy Steve Ditko, Batman!" So I, I'm going. They're finally giving me the flashbacks they promised me all those years ago. Um, <laughs> It reminded me of Ant-Man when he goes up. Yeah. And that might actually be part of it because that he, he may have slipped into an alternate dimension as he's shrinking. Uh, hmm. I, I will tackle the eight writer, eight writers question. Well, as a writer, you would. I would. Because there's, there's first writer or two who actually went in to pitch the idea to the, to, to the producers. Okay, you're the producers that Marty and I came in and we pitched it to you. But you think that is a great idea for a movie. It's a terrific idea for a movie. But we're not names. We're not anything you you can you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna get the budget going on us. So so maybe you'll get a script from us and pay us some money and make sure we're signed off and have no more to do with our idea. And we have and an asterisk. We have an asterisk. We're maybe we're writing there. Team. We're writing team, so we'll be Marty and with the asterisk and Marty and John instead of Marty and spelled out, which is two other people. And so so we're we're already two and we've come and gone, right? And the producer, you're the producer and you've got you've got a writing team you've loved, you've worked with at every other movie and you've assured them they'll get a crack at the script too. Okay. So they're going to get a crack at it. So we're already up to four writers, right? And then we we get a director and a movie star connected up, okay? And they look at it and they think, well... This stinks. <laughs> the other two scripts stink. My friend, you know, or my girlfriend or my boyfriend, you know, has a, he's a great writer. He'll, he'll work this all out. So we're now up to five or six writers and... Pretty soon, uh, you know, then somebody's got to go through, and you always see this, somebody's got to go through all the eight versions of the scripts and turn them into something that's actually usable (laughs) at some point in this whole thing, or they're all going to spend millions of dollars and get nothing, which they do all the time, which they do all the time. Okay, so... Are the Marvel movies... Because the Marvel movies have been consistently good. Do they go through the same number of writers? Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, the Ant-Man movie went through several Yeah, that's writers. true. Not all of them. In other words, there are probably some that are now running pretty smoothly, some of these franchises. Everybody knows who's working on them and so on and so yeah. forth. Uh, somebody said to me the other day, how is Clint Eastwood able to make all these movies? He seems like a doddering old fool whenever he's interviewed or something like that. And I said, because he's got a crew of 400 people who make one movie after another. He just shows up and says, action, cut. And, you know, that's all he does. And the next 200 are, are moving on to the next movie he's doing. So so that's why. That's a good team. Yeah. yeah just remember, you know, Ed Wood made movies. Yeah. That last till today because they're that bad. Okay. But he made, you know, he had a team Yes, small he did. crew of people. He had a few actors. He knew he could count on. They need to go see. The trick is getting on one of those teams. Tor yeah. Getting on one of those A teams. Tor, yeah, Tor. Yep. And they got oh, by already. The directors already parted ways on Deadpool too. They're saying Ryan Reynolds. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not getting long. Well, that that 
again, that's also kind of why the movie industry is kind of like high school because you have a lot of egos involved. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of egos, a lot of clicks. I'm actually surprised any movie ever actually even gets made. Yes. Because mm-hmm. wow. there's so many, yeah, there's dramas. so many attitudes and dramas and so many people want to, you know, everybody, especially in the lower parts, everybody is looking at it as this is my big break to make it big so I can get on that A team. So they're putting all their worth into it and when some other little part of the movie is like oh no you can't do that because it's taking away from my all of my work you get in all this stuff and it's like it's, it's a miracle movie to even get made really well, I just, and even yeah. at the higher echelons I mean yeah one of well, my best friends is an actress and she's been working towards getting on a movie with um, Gerard um, Butler yeah Gerard okay. Butler and that's just been dragging forever. forever. And everybody forever. loves the script, and it's a great script, but there's all this drama behind the scenes. And who's going to play the actor opposite Gerard Butler? And, oh, well, we want it to be this person. Oh, no, he won't work with that person. And, oh, well, he rejects this person, too. And, well, maybe this person. It's just like, well, that's high When you said it's amazing any movie gets made, you know, they put about 10 or 20 times in, into, not production, but into uh, oh, they call it, uh, into development. Oh, they yeah. put, um, and, you know, they put like 20 times more movies, they put hundreds of movies into development, oh, yeah. they spend all that, and they really only make like 60, 70, 80 big budget movies a year. Yeah. So, so because I have sold countless movie scripts in my time in Hollywood that never got made. And I always, I always could could tell really good scripts. They always got bought. I remember the best script I read in my time in Hollywood was called POW Police Officers' Wives, and it was written by this woman who really. And this was thirty years ago, so it was a lot more brutal look at police officers than you would ever see today. This script was amazing. I remember Tony Bill optioned it, took her all around everywhere. I said, "Well, that's the best movie I read." And my the script I read, of course, it never got made. Even with big producer, even with actors, even with whatever, whatever, I don't know. Yeah. You, you, you really wonder why the best scripts get, don't get made. And then I remember this, they asked me to write the uh, kids book novelization of the Lost in Space movie. Mm-hmm. And I read that script and I go, Jesus mercy, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> you know, I, I looked at it and said, the remake, this, from the remake of Lost yeah. in Space yeah. Uh, yeah. with uh, the guy from Friends. Right. And, yeah. You know, I, I, I looked at that and I, I was busy enough in those days and it wasn't enough money. I was able to turn it down because I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to deal with it. I just didn't want to try it. Because when you write a novelization of a movie script, you don't have the people watching it go, oh, I kind of believe this because it's up there. You've got to make people believe it yeah. just on your pure logic and words and, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. You're, and that, you actually reminded me of a story about um, a situation that Simon Hawk told me several years ago about when he was contracted to write the novelizations for the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. And so he's meeting with producers. He's going... So, really, like, what is Jason's motivation? Why does he do these things? And like, motivation. <laughs> wow, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, there wasn't one. The motivation so, is he saw his mom get her head chopped off. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's weird, but it's yeah. something. That would do it. 
that would turn me into an unkillable, yeah, unkillable, sure. murdering maniac. I'm sure. <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> so my question is: is why do they take good books and then turn them into scripts that have nothing to do with the book, and then are surprised when they fail? Probably that same reason. It, it, it's the eight writers, but it's also face facts. Uh, a, a book is probably the equivalent of eight or nine movies. Yeah. Okay, a, a, a full-size adult number. Sure. Okay, and even Harry Potter things, including as much stuff as they could, they still left out a ton of yeah. stuff. And characters and all that. So, so you automatically are forced to pare down that story. I remember, um, this is not science fiction, but the, the, the famous um, East of Eden, mm-hmm. famous book by... Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. you know. we all read it in high school. Well, they made the movie, and the movie is just one half the book. It's obvious. Yeah. It stops right at the middle of the book. Yeah. And they didn't bother to do the rest of it, but they had the, the part they wanted, they sort of Cain and Adam kind of, uh, you know, retelling. And so you, you look at that, that's one way to do it. And you look at, uh, I remember for a while, I had to adapt people's books into audio cassettes. And, uh, and I did this for a little while, and and and, like and it was really crazy because it would be again another big book that had to be boiled down to like a two-hour cassette, and I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to write anything. I wasn't allowed to write any bridge material. I could only use words that were in the book. So I would often find words from somewhere else and move them up to make things make sense. And I had an author. Author called me in the middle of the night. And he calls me in the middle of the night. He said, "I just got this." script you have for this audio book and he said he said this is terrible blah 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 he said well you're the dumbass who agreed to take out two thirds of the book <laughs> that was the last one of those I did <laughs> but I mean it was like That's why I only you can't blame me you're the one who agreed to cut out two thirds of your book for this deal okay so yeah. if you don't like the way it was done do it yourself it is difficult I'm sure but it's like Lord of the Rings they they did a good job I think he kind of went way off base with the hobbits, but I think Lord of the Rings, they they stayed true to the spirit of the book. True. The Harry they Potter did, they did they turned the Hobbit into a trilogy. Yeah. Right. It wasn't a trilogy. And, but but then, then the, the Harry Potter books, they stayed true to the story. And then they have, like, what was it? Avatar Last Airbender. Oh, That God. every single person who liked the cartoon was, oh, lost their such, shit over. Because I they, took my oh. kids to see that, and we walked out, and I was like, that was a pretty good movie, wasn't it? And they're like, it sucked. It it sucked. And I was like, well, why? And, and, you know, and I hadn't seen any of the cartoons. I hadn't seen it, read any of the comics or anything. I'm like, that's a cool movie. And they're like, oh, my God, they didn't do this. They didn't do this right. They this was wrong. Their they names. mispronounced his name. He doesn't do that. You know, I was like, oh, oh. okay, Uh-oh. sorry. <laughs> sorry. There's so much violence Not against that. Close oh, enough. Yeah. Because people, I think that, you know, the writers or, or the producers or directors, or they didn't do their homework to see the what the... What the basis was. Why good books become bad movies, though, is a really complicated question. I mentioned Clint Eastwood earlier. Yeah. One of my favorite books of all time is Midnight in the Garden of Good, good and Evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you have read, read that. It's, really it's not a It's a great. It's a great book. It turned out to be a terrible Clint Eastwood movie. 
Did you see the movie? I didn't no, see I, the movie. Very few people did. It got bad word of the mouth right off the bat. It was just terrible. And I really sat down to study how he turned this, how a guy who's made tons really of movies yeah. turned this really good book into a terrible movie. And it, the, and, and I, I finally kind of figured that out. Of course, I, I'll make this short since nobody else seems to know but you. But he, that was about a fish out of water, a northern guy who goes down to Savannah. And he, obviously he's a gay guy in the book, okay? But he goes down there and he gets mixed up with this murder and all this cool kind of gay subculture in Savannah and all that. Well, it was it was cool in the book because it worked having an outsider come in and find everything to him. And somehow in the book it was John Cusack, or in the movie rather, it was John Cusack who played the lead. And somehow, not wanting to make him gay, I'm pretty sure, they completely turned him into a cipher who does nothing but wander through the movie meeting more pe people more interesting than himself. Mm. And the movie is like, you cannot, you have to prop your eyeballs open <laughs> to watch it. And so I think one small thing that that decision to try to make to try to do it just like the book kind of yeah, no, damn the movie if that yeah, makes no, any sense well i'm worried about that with the new dark tower movies coming out too where they change the race of the character where the race of the character is integral to part in your personal relationships with other characters in the novels so they, they cast idris elba idris elba and he's a great actor yeah. But, but there's a whole racial subcontext in that novel series that you know, I don't know what they're going to do with that. They didn't want to do it, obviously. Or they wanted to or they, ignore it. I don't know if that's part of that, well, we want this actor, we want that actor, and that's... Where when those actors it. say, I'm not playing, yeah. I'm not playing well, they, this blackface or what a blueface well, or whatever. They had all kinds of different actors associated with it over the last two or three years as they try to get that. Well, movie. that's a problem, too. When that starts happening, then your movie is also sort of teetering on the edge. Yeah, they had Russell Crowe, they had Javier Bardem, they had all these different names associated with it. They should just go with a no name, but then you can't get the movie with no name. Well, then, got, then you have the problem Marty has. You can't get anybody to yeah. show yeah. it. But now they got Matthew McConaughey and Peterson and Elf, so they're, you know, it's getting big. And I just wonder what they're going to... But they do have the advantage, and I don't know if you've read the Dark Tower stuff or not, where it's... it's uh, well, Stephen King once yeah. said that he never wanted that to be turned into a movie, but I well, guess that's the technology changes. The it's, it's just, it's too long of a story. Mm -hmm. It's too epic to turn it into a couple, three or four movies. It's just, I don't but they do have the advantage of being able to switch the story. Yeah, and that's one of the things that yeah, I think is a big mistake is they take these big, huge, epic old books and try to squish it down into a two-hour movie. Into a three-trilogy blockbuster. Yeah, and and they do, because like I'm a fan of the Dresden novels, and I didn't really like the TV show. I, mean, I watched it, it was entertained, it was okay. But, but it's not, I just, it's really Dresden. It's not, no, yeah. Because I'm sitting there reading the books going, this should be a two-hour movie because, you know, in his book, you know, it takes place over maybe seven days or less, which is a great time frame for movies, you know. Uh, but, yeah, having these big, huge, long, epical, you know, thousand-page novels, trying to squish it down. Yeah, Dune. Trying Although, to squish it down. Although, I like the Dune movie. Yeah. You like the Dune movie? The I, first I, I one? I was you know, I was young, yeah. and he was cute. <laughs> I always, I like cracking my kid up by impersonating the people riding the sandworms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think getting the right format. And the costumes the right were great. 
Costume Costume Yeah. Costume 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 and then, so it just all yeah. had kind of a piecemeal. Yeah. Books are just as boring. And yet, the Green Mile is almost word for word as the book. Yes. Shawshank. I've never actually uh, read Shawshank, Shawshank is short, and it's, it's turned into this story. long movie. I haven't read that one either, but in the Green Mile, they removed one subplot that would have made the movie an extra hour long, and everything else is almost verbatim, down to the descriptions wow. and the dialogue. I was right. really shocked with that. So it can be it can be done. The first Harry Potter movie followed the book pretty closely. Yeah, really close. It was by the seventh when they went way off the rails. Well, the sixth, the fifth. Yeah, the fifth well, one. So they run down the burrow. They, you know, they can do that a lot because you know the director may want to put his own personal stamp mm-hmm. on the franchise, and that gets into an ego situation. I was just thinking with the ego and high school whole similarity. Uh, a lot of when you read about how directors just torture their actors or do things that really you don't need to do for the effect on the movie, like in uh, Les Miserables, in the whole uh, scene where she's singing about how you know, far she's gone down, they had rotting fish on the stage. Nice. Just to add that extra sense so the actors know how miserable they are. Oh, yeah, a little more. Um, they, had for, they had for a while, they had, uh, you could do cattle calls in our Tucson movies. And uh, you were, they'd send you out emails. So you show up and you'd go through it. I showed up for one, and they just had us walk by a wall and we got, went two ways, left or right. And I, they go, thank you, have a nice day, go away. For everyone who went on my side, because they had a tape line on the wall oh. and it was for the postman. If you were taller than Tom Cruise, Cruise. you went on the side. Yeah. <laughs> if you were shorter Tom than Cruise Tom Cruise, is short. they yes. would act, you had a, a chance of being an extra yeah. short. A lot of them are short. And I, I have a theory behind some of that. Because they fit into the period costumes, <laughs> they can cast. I always thought it was so that they didn't just stand on a box and be next to the leading men. Well, the, I don't think that's oh, why. The leading women are even smaller most right. of the time. The leading yeah. women are like maybe yeah, two people. It's a costume right now that says, people. yeah, she's yeah, well, she's a miniature person. Very small woman. Yeah. Is that? Megan Fox is a very, very tiny woman. Oh, okay. Well, and like the... Well, Shia LaBeouf's not a lot tall either, right? No, he isn't. The girl that played one of the more recent sidekicks to Doctor Who, that Clara. Oh, the red hair? No, she's dark hair. Little tiny, the, tiny yeah. person. The one from Game of Thrones? Because she was a dark. Clara. Hair. Her name was Clara in the uh, in Os- Clara Os- Oswald. She was she, like I saw one of we we went to Wales and went through the Doctor Who experience and we saw her costume. And it's like child size. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're tiny. Yeah. Oh, and there was one we saw another costume. So the box. Yeah, yeah we saw costumes from I forget what it was, but it was a Helena Bonham Carter costume. She's miniature too. Yeah. She's teeny. That's so when you get an actual tall actor, they look like a giant. Yeah. <laughs> like Chris Hemsworth playing Thor. It's like right. Yeah. Well, you had to be larger than life, so that kind of fit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, another reason that we kind of skirted around this, but there's all these special effects and CGI in movies. Yeah. 
movies. So if you're a writer nowadays, you're basically told, okay, we got to have, you know, about every 10 minutes, something's got to happen, you know, and you're told. So there, so I guess I'm saying is it's kind of like the cart leading the horse in that all of these, the movie, the scripts are written around all these special effects. Right. Uh, Fight, fight. Really set pieces, the big set pieces. Fight, they fight, want to chase. Fight. They want to put it. Yes, battle. exactly, yeah. exactly. Death uh, Star has to explode. My, my twice. Fa- twice. Yeah. My favorite Hollywood quote is Charlie Chaplin, who said, and this was he said this many many years ago in like 1919 or 1920. He said, "Must every movie end with a chase?" Yes, exactly, Charlie. <laughs> that's, that's still the case. He said that you know, almost 100 years ago, and he was annoyed then, but you know, still all his movies ended with a chase. So, As an example, um, <laughs> there's a, a really wonderful quote by David Gerald in his book, uh, The World of Star Trek, right. where he said that, you know, Writers are prostitutes, especially screenwriters, because you have to write and do something for 15 minutes, and bang, climax, to hang you into, across the commercial break, and then another 15 minutes, and bang, another climax. So every 15 minutes, you're banging and climaxing, so you must be a prostitute. I think it's 10 minutes now. No, I know. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess our attention span is just getting shorter. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. one thing, that's one thing where I'm personally getting more where I actually enjoy the Netflix original series or whatever, you know, the, the Bay Cable original series on Netflix and stuff because I'm sitting there looking at hmm, I'm watching Arrow 42 minutes, what am I watching? Oh, Luke Cage, 51 minutes? Wow, I'm getting more entertainment for the, the same bang for the buck, you know, same bank. You know. And you don't have to have and, that cliffhanger and you don't have that they exactly. know they don't have the commercials. Yeah. It's that artificial break thing. Um, but, you know, there's a certain amount of cliffhanger mentality that kind of helps move a story along, move, you know, moves your dynamic from your story uh, through it. Well, even when you get to the end of binge-watching the season, oh, there's, there's a big cliffhanger, yeah. 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 And then you go, no! I don't know. There really wasn't one for Jessica Jones. Because they actually wind up killing off the villain. Thankfully, because um, that was just somebody who was way too powerful. To really, and that's part of the, I think. Which is really funny because Kilgrave was a really minor villain in Daredevil. At some point, I have to go back and actually force myself to watch all of Jessica Jones because I just didn't make it past the fourth. I think it's because I don't know. So many of the other heroes, yeah, uh, who are male are more heroic and she was just so well she was so damaged yeah well she was so damaged because of all the bad things that had happened to her i mean she had a mediocre power to begin with but she had enough power that she could be heroic but she gets her mind taken over by this guy and effectively raped multiple times by you know mind and bodily raped by this one guy and so, and that damages her own self confidence, and you can kind of start playing the whole victim mentality thing into the character itself. And the they did a very good job of that, integrating that aspect into the series. Um, the 
I guess I just see that in real life too much. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And but I think that's one of the things that's refreshing is that they actually addressed it. Right. And I and I applaud that. But, but it's that's still, not what I call it was entertainment. Either. To watch. Well, it, not everything's for everybody. Right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, I actually pers- kind of preferred the personal interaction scenes between she and Luke Cage. Yes. Because, well, it's like, okay, yeah, she's super tough and strong, and he's super tough and it's strong. Cool. So who else could they actually manage to have that rough, vigorous kind of whoop-de-doo than with each other? I mean, it's kind of like, well, okay, Man of Steel won with Kleenex. <laughs> okay. That, that that whole diatribe, uh, yeah. Who is uh, where is Superman going to get his uh, get his jollies on? So certainly not his cousin Kara. That's sick. <laughs> you know, are they first? I hear bad Well, there's that whole city, bottled city of Candor. I mean, that's a lot of people. He could find somebody, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, the whole cliffhanger thing you really owe somewhat to Charles Dickens. Yes, back when he basically oh, yeah. invented the novel. But back in those days, novels were not published as books. They were serialized in the newspaper every day. So you had to have a cliffhanger at the end of, uh, you know, that, that day's chapter, make them pick up the newspaper and read it the next day. So in some respects, we're still working with that kind of uh, format. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I recently found a book by Louisa May Alcott that they found and published and it's called A Long Fatal Love Chase and she wrote it as a serial for the newspaper and I think it was the book that in Little Women she writes but doesn't go anywhere and I think it's that because it didn't go anywhere in her lifetime because it was too sensational to be published it's really boring (laughs) Well, that's interesting. Now, yeah, you bring up the topic of censorship in, in, in a way, which also does have something to do with the quality of, of what we get. And even though you think in this day and age there would be nothing censored, oh, there's stuff is. censored all the oh, yeah. all, 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 all. center. <clears throat> so that's just all. censored for different reasons. Yes, it's just mm-hmm. censored for different reasons. Maybe it's. It's political correctness. It's not PC enough. It's, yeah. Okay, as an example, can you imagine Blazing Saddles being made today? Oh, no. Wow. Yeah, we <laughs> talk about that a lot. Uh-uh. No. And it was a, it, even today, it is a, still a brilliant piece of cinematography oh, and a yeah. hilarious movie, but you well, would never be able to make a movie today. Yeah, and I tell, my, I tell my boys, I'm like, yeah, Mel Brooks is the only person that can make Blazing Saddles. Nobody else could do it, I don't think. And that's totally just because Mel Brooks who was who he was, or is who he is, you know. Because uh, he knew fart jokes were funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he relished, <laughs> no, he relished the fact that fart jokes yes, were funny. Yes, he relished yeah. the fact that fart jokes were funny. I'm still waiting for Hitler on ice. <laughs> or Jews in space! <laughs> I've heard some people say that even... Tropic Thunder couldn't be made today, and that's not even ten years old. Yeah, Tropic right. Thunder is brilliant. Hilarious. I yes. love that. I love that. All right, okay. what is with you people? What you want? All right, what do you mean, you people? You want it? So true. Her, 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 her movie making industry. Look at ourselves. Movie is Tropic Thunder. I have this movie. It's called Sex Sells: The Story of Latouche, and what it is 
You had this movie in your head. Oh, I, I looked at it. <laughs> I saw this panel and I was like, I'm going to be talking about this movie. So I'm looking up making sure I got the right thing. Uh, if, you, if you just go Google sex sells movie. This is a right movie that exists. It's a movie that exists. Right, okay. I've watched it on Netflix like okay, twice. Okay. It's a story about these people who make pornography. And it's, this, it's the director is getting ready to retire. And it's going to be, we're going to make a best thing i'm going on with a bang and like and like this and it's just going to be this greatest thing ever and it's and if you can get past the part the fact that they're making a porno and just watch it for what it is it is exactly what making a movie is like it doesn't matter that it's porno you get this like you know they have the, they always have the director who's doing one thing you always got the actors are always doing their other thing and and like the one, you know, you got the one kid that says, "Oh, you really can't act," and the and the lady like shows him how well he can, act, she can act, and all this stuff, and you're you're not acting, and, and there's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes on set and stuff like that. It all happens in this movie. It's hilarious. It's like you know, and, and it's like I said, it, it's no. You, know, you watch something like that, it's like it is no wonder any movie ever gets made. You know? <laughs> well, I was just thinking with on the line with censorship. I was watching. Uh, History of the World yeah. on TV. I'm going, it's not funny. Why is it funny? It's because they cut yep. all the objectionable material yes. out of it. Yep. So like when the Romans run to the apothecary and goes, what do you need? He goes, I'm looking for a pack of Trojans. That's where they ended the scene. Yeah. You know, where the guy goes, just sold out. Cut that part out. Uh, when they go to they have Moses at the water, and he parts the water, yeah, and then you ride it off, and they thank him. That's where they cut the scene. There's all the jokes that could be offensive to anyone that happened. It just wasn't funny. Yeah. I'm sitting there, so since they had so much time, they doubled up the commercials. Oh, so you're watching two minutes worth of movie. Aha! Uh-huh. The jig is up and gone. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like too, it's a, they they cut stuff to get more commercials in. Yeah, but it was I, they were cutting out anything that anyone could find objectionable. I was like, okay, the movie's not funny anymore yeah. because there is nothing. The jokes, the punchlines are <laughs> they out just of left the, movie. the straight lines and, and took all the punchlines. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and touching back on Blazing Saddles, you remember that they actually did cut one scene, you know, one line out of that entire movie. Oh, they did. They did. There was a, there was a point where, um, if you remember, when Sheriff Bart and Lily von Stoop yeah, go into her dressing. Uh, Pardon me, the dressing room, uh, and the lights go out. It says, "Is it true what they say about you people?" Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> the line they cut out was, "Pardon me, madam, but you're sucking my forearm." Oh, <laughs> wow! That's in the book. They cut it from the movie. Why did they cut it from the movie? That was just a little too much over the edge, even for a Mel Brooks movie. Wow, uh, that's funny. We're about wrapped up. We're about wrapped up. Uh, parting it's shots, Marty. So anyway, in conclusion, is making a movie like High School? I would say yes. What's your vote? <laughs> I don't think it's as civilized as that. Ah, uh, or as well organized as High School. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, however, they have cheerleaders on both sides. That's true. They cheerleaders. There's cheerleaders making movies too. It could be more like summer camp. At one time, that would be great if it was. Sometimes it is. 
Yeah. The question was, will ever with the equipment make it real simple though someday? I know we haven't got much time to explore that, but uh, well, I mean, you I think have the process of doing with the equipment—you don't have somebody that knows how to run that yeah. equipment properly. Right. Or, I guess it never gets really simple, does it? Because yeah. there's always cheaper. you think, yeah, it gets cheaper. Obviously, not having to develop film is a huge thing. Is a huge saver, but. but. All right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yep. Yeah.